This is Ashley Hodge with the Sikkim 365 podcast, and I'm excited to be joined by Kendall Cal. Uh, Kendall, good to have you on here, man. It's uh, it's been a while since we talked Big 12 basketball, and and this is a good opportunity to do that and talk about our Baylor Bears and and uh, you know the excitement that's uh right around the corner Monday first game against Mississippi Valley State. Then they got a game against uh, Norfolk State, uh, a big revenge match for them after they lost to Baylor in the uh, NCAA tournament last year. And then, and then the schedule really gets fun. You know, we've got some uh, great games to talk about. But hey, first of all, thank you for joining us and and uh, talking basketball. I know that's our passion. Uh, we love football, but uh, basketball is what we live for. Uh, so, uh, what do you think, Kendall? Uh, you went to Big Twelve Media Days. Uh, what'd you learn there? Uh, excited always to be on, Ashley. And I'll say the great thing about basketball is you don't have to watch Baylor play BYU at one a.m. yet. So <laughs> that's always good about it. I think what I learned kind of from media days is that it's a spectacle in and of itself always. And uh, I came away, you know, it's like, should you really glean that much just from talking to guys? But I came away more hyped about TCU because they just seemed pretty calm and Mike Miles seemed really chill. And I, I don't know, this whole KU thing, I'm, I'm, I'm a little more sour on KU than I think the field is right now. Yeah, I mean, the closer we get to the season, I'm with you. I, I, I think, you know, KU is obviously going to be the reputational pick, but um, – I mean, I'm I'm thinking it may be Baylor, Texas, TCU, and all an all Texas uh, battle for for the uh, Big Twelve championship this year. It wouldn't surprise me. You can never count out KU. Uh, they they have great coaching. Obviously, they may have had some help in the past through some uh, different venues and opportunities to uh, secure players um, through sh- shoe companies. But uh, that's neither here nor there. We'll we'll uh, assume that that's probably never going to come to come to a day of reckoning but uh you know it's um they, they won a championship last year they've they've uh consistently won the big 12 over the years and and, and really baylor's been the main threat to their their supremacy uh lately and the bears are going for three in a row and uh you know that's that's an incredible accomplishment i think um if i remember correctly the last team to win three in a row was i want to say missouri you know, back in the old, the old, uh, you know, uh, around the, you know, 1996. Uh, I may, I may be wrong on that. I, I, I read a stat somewhere: the Big Eight, Big Twelve, the last team to win three in a row was Missouri, other than Kansas. Uh, so that that would be a tremendous accomplishment for the Bears. It's been a lifetime since Missouri was relevant in anything. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I could see it being Mizzou because uh, it certainly hasn't been Mizzou any time that I can remember. Recently, uh, I know yeah. they. They made a couple of SEC championship games in football and got absolutely waxed, and then they lost to Norfolk State, and then Michael Porter Jr. played about eight minutes in his Mizzou career. What what a decade it's been for the Tigers. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since they've been relevant, no doubt. Um, so let, let's talk about the Bears. You know, we, we know quite a bit about this team because uh, we watched them play in Canada, and, and we know how good this backcourt can be. Uh, we know that Adam Flagler will be one of the best guards in the nation. We expect L.J. Cryer, if he can stay healthy, will be one of the best guards in the nation. And then, of course, Keontae George put on quite a show in Canada and, you know, really impressed with the, the play of um, D'Antoine Grimes and, and Dale Bonner. Uh, Langston Love is, is a, is a high, highly recruited guy that they expect a lot out of, but he is coming off a, a pretty serious knee injury. And then they've got a lot of new parts in the front court who we all saw play in Canada. Um, you know, what do you, how do you assess this team, and, and what do you think their ceiling is? I think the ceiling is national championship. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Your top 
You're number two on Torvik to begin the year. You're number one, or not, excuse me, number two on Torvik, you're number six on Ken Palm. Ken Palm has Baylor a little bit lower, but Ken Palm also really likes Gonzaga, who just got boat raced by Tennessee in a scrimmage. So ceiling, I think, is national championship. Uh, it all begins with the guards, which is a reflection of two years ago as well. Uh, Adam Flagler, the question is whether he can be point guard. I think there is zero doubt in my mind he'll be a good point guard. I mean, if you watch Baylor play basketball after January last year, Adam Flagler probably spent more minutes at point guard than James Akinjo did down the stretch. They played Akinjo off the ball quite a bit when he came back from that tailbone injury. LJ Cryer was Baylor's leading scorer, hit 46% of his threes on a really high number of attempts, with pretty limited spacing at times with Jeremy and Kendall on the floor along with Flo. And then we know Keontae George is probably going to be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. And he ranked as like number seven on the 24-7 composite. I think that's going to end up looking really stupid by the end of the season. So guards are the currency of college basketball. R.J. Davis and Caleb Love get hot in the NCAA tournament. Carolina is an Armando Baycott injury away from winning a national championship. I think Baylor's got the best backcourt in the country. I think this is the best backcourt college basketball's had since Baylor had that backcourt two seasons ago, Ashley. Man, you're getting me excited. Uh, you know, I, I agree too. I mean, I think that uh, you know that's that's the beauty of this team. I, I've I've said this on podcasts uh, that I've done with the uh, assistant coaches. You know, I, I had a recent podcasts with John Jacobs, Alvin Brooks, and and Jared Nunes. And um, you know, I I think with Jacobs, I compared him to a, a college version of the Golden State Warriors uh, because of their ability to stretch the floor with their three point shooting. Uh, Jacobs feels confident that there's four or five guys on this roster that can shoot over 40% from three. Uh, if that comes to fruition, that's a nightmare for opposing defenses. And uh, they're, you know, creators too. I mean, they're guys like LJ Cryer can can get to the rim. Keontae George can get to the rim, get to the foul line a lot. Adam Flagler is very crafty. He's also a guy that can can do a lot of damage in the mid-range and the paint. And and that's just a nightmare scenario for defenses. And, and if you got the best backcourt in the nation – um, as, he, as he said in the podcast I, that he did with me, he says, you know, the key formula for winning a national championship has been, you know, two point guards and, and good health. Uh, and then, you know, the, the other factors that are so important, rebounding. I know they're working hard on defensive rebounding, but Baylor's, you know, can almost take it to the bank. They're going to be a top 10 offensive rebounding team. And so if they can, you know, really excel at that and, and be a great, you know, shooting, a field, efficient field goal percentage team on offense – and, and be able to, you know, shut down easy looks on defense. Uh, the sky's the limit for this team. I think so, too. And I will say, in terms of being a hater about something, uh, Baylor's going to be bad at defensive rebounding. Uh, they just are every year. And they're <laughs> going to try and force a lot of turnovers. And I know it's something they say, hey, we're focused on, we're trying to get better. There are always trade-offs in life. I'm, start, I'm on this 90-day workout challenge now. Guys, I realize when you're 31, the field's not what it was. And I'm sure people look at me and say, hey, the field's not what it was when they're trying to convince their, you know, I'm sure ladies are trying to convince their friends, listen, I get he's not as hot as some of the guys, but you just got to recognize that the field ain't what it was. Uh, there are trade-offs in life. And right. the trade-off for Baylor is if you want to turn everybody over and fly to the ball and leak out and transition, you're not going to defensive rebound as well. Ultimately, who cares, right? I know they say we care, but I don't care, right? I don't really care. They'll give up some offensive rebounds. Doesn't matter to me. You force a bunch of turnovers, you wallop people, I don't care. So when people get mad when Baylor loses one of these big 12 games because they give up a lot of offensive rebounds, don't then get mad when Baylor gives up 20 offensive rebounds and beats a top 10 team later on because they turn them over 20 times. Right. It's basketball. It's not like you can just be Texas A&M and buy incredible players and then obviously win a national championship <laughs> with all those really great players. It's not, it's not like that in basketball because you only have five guys at once 
and you're going to play at least two or three other really good players against elite teams. So I'm not worried about defensive rebounding, but I'm here to kind of flag it right now. Baylor's going to be bad at defensive rebounding. I don't care. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah, you know, I think I, I don't I don't expect them to be top ten in defense, defensive rebounding. <laughs> uh, you know, they've never never uh, approached those kind of numbers, but. Um, you know, I I do think it's possible that uh, I mean they've kind of lived in the two hundreds, uh, you know, efficiency wise and defensive rebounding in, in recent years, and uh, I would love to see them get above one hundred and fifty and you know kind of be uh, somewhere in that range. But uh, you know, uh, Caleb Loner got he's got he's got to be a, a, an incredible rebounder. Obviously, Flo and and uh, Josh uh, have to carry a lot of the water there too, um, and I think they're capable of doing that. Um, to your point, Kendall, I I, I think that. Um, you know, there's there's high expectations for this team, and, and we do have to say that it's almost impossible to go undefeated in uh, college basketball today. So so we know this team. You know, Fran Fraschilla is always saying that uh, you're going to play your you know your standard game 30, 30 games out of the year. You're going to play above your head five games out of the year. Uh, you're going to play below your your level of expectation five games of the year. You know, you're going to have some stinkers out there, and uh, you know if the stinkers come against uh, good teams, you're going to lose. Um, so, you know, I think it's reasonable to, to expect some losses uh, for sure. Uh, it reminds me of, you know, there's a great quote by uh, Mike Gundy after they played Kansas State and lost 48 to nothing. Uh, Chris Kleiman for Kansas State said um, uh, to Gundy after in the postgame, he said, man, I don't think we could ever play a game as good as we played against you. And uh, Mike Gundy said, well, you picked a hell of a day to, to play your best game. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You know, so there's going to be games like that where everything's working for the opposing team and nothing's working for Baylor. We, we know that's college basketball, but uh, uh, we also know that, uh, you know, by the end of the year, it's it's uh, highly possible that Baylor is only sitting at a couple losses and, and has a really good chance to cut down the nets and, and earn a num- number one seed and, and really uh, stack the deck in their favor to, uh, to have a really good tournament run like they had two years ago. Yes, and we always wonder at the end of the year, how good is college basketball as a whole? There are different seasons where the quality of the top teams is just a little bit different. That 2015 season was an unfortunate one if you were elite with Kentucky, Wisconsin, Duke, all phenomenal teams. Uh, 2014, Wichita State was really good. I think 22 might be a little bit of a down year for college basketball as a whole. And so this could be kind of a good time for Baylor to be really good because, I, I mean, you look around, look, Houston, I think, could be pretty good. I think Kentucky could be really good, but I don't feel like there's a team that we're going to look back at 20 years and say, oh my God, there were seven or eight just elite, elite teams this season. So this is a good year to be good. 2015 Kentucky does not loom out there for Baylor if they can be a number one seed heading into this tournament. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, North Carolina is, isn't being valued as highly in some of these uh, strength metrics, but uh, we know they're the you know consensus number one team after – after the run that they went on at the end of the season and returning, you know, almost all their, their great, you know, their best parts and, and getting Nance to plug in for uh, Brady Manick. Um, but, uh, you know, to your point, um, in, in one sense, there's a lot of older guys because of COVID, you know, and, but, but, the, you know, the other flip, you know, side of the equation is there's no like super teams out there. Like, you know, you look at Kentucky's roster and it, it doesn't scare you to death. Um, you look at Gonzaga's roster, it certainly doesn't scare you to death. You know, Tennessee's got a good roster. You know, Houston's got a good roster. And, you know, there's there's tons of teams with, with talent, but but there's there's no one on paper that you just go, wow, that's that's loaded. You know, that's, that's scary stuff, you know. I mean, Texas, 
uh, is is getting a lot of accolades, especially after coming off a thirty point exhibition win against Arkansas. But I'll believe it when I see it with those guys as far as shooting. Uh, you know, they got a ton of guys that have, are career, you know, thirty three percent and below three point shooters. And I have a hard time believing all those guys are going to be pushing in the you know closer to forty. Uh, so, you know, good scouting is going to take away a lot of their strengths. And and as as you know as as much talent as they have, I, I you know I I wouldn't expect that they're going to win the Big Twelve. And and um, you know like I, like you said earlier, it may be it may come down to Baylor and TCU. Yeah, I think it definitely could actually. Um, when I looked at Texas, I mean, obviously it seems like. Uh, one of their freshmen is not facing the justice system yet. So <laughs> I guess he's going to be around, so we'll get to see him. And Dylan Mitchell looks really good. But my concern with Texas is, as you mentioned, you got to beat five good to eventually great teams to win a national championship. And Baylor showed two years ago that it could beat Villanova on a night shot wasn't falling. But if Baylor had had five games like that where it shot that poorly, eventually it probably would have gotten popped by somebody along the way, whether it would have been Gonzaga, Arkansas, Houston, when Baylor would have made a million threes, somebody would have beat Baylor if Baylor every game had gone in saying, there is a real risk. We're going to go three of 18 from three in all of these games. Right. And I just feel like Texas, over a five-game sample from the round of 32 on, would have a pretty high chance that they'd have multiple games where they'd say, great, we shot 20% from three. Can we now beat Kentucky? Can we beat Houston? Can we beat Baylor? And that kind of situation. So I don't see it there. But then to be fair for Texas, I mean, if you land elite recruits every season, you figure – one time the coin might come up heads for you. So maybe this is the year Texas finally makes the final four. But as I often say, I got to see it before I believe it with the Longhorns. Yeah, no question. And and consider me a skeptic of any team that on paper doesn't look like they're going to be that prolific from three-point range. I mean, you know, basketball's changed. And you got to spread the floor. You got to be able to have multiple creators you know, scouting's too good. The uh, the athleticism is is too good to to be able to get to a Final Four if you can't shoot the three well. I mean, would you agree with that statement? Absolutely. Yeah, I just don't see it. I mean, if Texas wins the championship, it will be because they shot out of their minds for five games, not because they played like they did throughout the regular season. Like Texas could beat Baylor this season. They could beat Kansas. They could sweep an elite team in the conference. But it's just you got to be built to win a lot of games in different ways in the tournament. That's kind of what KU did last season. When Remy Martin came back, they were a wholly different team. And I don't see Texas becoming a wholly different team unless Tyrese Hunter suddenly is a lot better shooter. Right. And, and you know, and to be fair, we, we need to probably hold the same standard to TCU. Uh, TCU is a lot like Texas in that they're very athletic. Uh, they've got, you know, a, a terrific rebounding team. Last year, they were number one in the in the country in offensive rebounding efficiency and, and top 100 in defense, defensive rebounding efficiency. Uh, you know, they've got a lot of great athletes. Um, they can lock you up defensively, but they're not a great three-point shooting team either. And, and you know, that's they were last year number 308 in a three-point uh, percentage. You know, Texas, uh, I'm going to look that up uh, while we're talking here. But you know, so so you got two teams here at at the top of the conference that, and you know, that are considered Final Four contenders that, on paper, aren't great three point shooting teams. Uh, Texas was two fourteen, so a little better than I expected. But uh, they they obviously lost a couple of their better shooters, and and Ramey and and uh, uh, Andrew Jones. So you know, so so I do think that um, 
you know, both those teams are have some similarities in that, that they aren't, you know, what you would consider extremely dangerous from, from three-point range. Uh, but, you know, I do think TCU's experience factor, uh, you, you know, they, they just have a lot of chemistry, a lot of guys returning that played together. And, and, and as we've seen in the past, that, that does matter, and, and that can usually equate to wins in close games. I agree. And Eddie Lampkin, we know, will lose weight. I joked with Mike Miles. I was like, does Eddie Lampkin ever get tired that every broadcast is just, man, how fat did Eddie used to be? <laughs> and right. they were like, they were like, we haven't asked him, but yeah, that probably would get annoying just to hear like, man, he used to be so fat. And so I do feel for Eddie there. And that's probably why I have a sweet spot for TCU in my heart. Oh, I do not in football. Yeah. He's a fun guy to watch. And, and, you know, credit to him. I, I used to watch uh, LJ Cryer's um, games at Morton ranch on, on streaming and, you know, I, I I just was looking at Eddie Lampkin going, he's never going to play in the Big 12. I mean, you know, much like I think happened with Dane Danger, you know, it's just you're questioning whether he can, you know, effectively switch, you know, ball screens and, and is he going to get exposed and pick and rolls. And he may he may get exposed some, but, but man, he has remade his body and he plays so hard. Um, you know, it, it's, it's what I kind of envisioned danger would be uh you know he's he's kind of made himself into that player so you know as modern basketball moves away from the traditional big man he's he's definitely carved out a niche and and he can be a, a big factor inside for tcu no doubt i think so too um do we want to discuss kind of baylor's front court this season actually? yeah let's do it i mean I, you know obviously we know we're getting in flow um you know he's I talked about this with i think uh maybe brooks um you, you know that uh one of the most underrated things about him is his ability to take charges and not only on the defensive end, he takes them on the offensive end. Like he's, he's gotten really proficient at setting screens on offense and baiting opposing defenders into plowing through him. Now, you know, there may be a little bit of salesmanship on, on his part selling that call. Uh, but he, you know, he's good at that. He, you know, he does that like, you know, almost one or two times a game, and and that's huge. I mean, that's that's a turnover, uh, you know, for the offense and also a foul, uh, as well. So you know, he's he's a guy that you know does a lot of the underappreciated things. Uh, but I know we're really excited about you know three guys in particular, uh, you know, Jalen Bridges and Caleb Loner, two impact transfers, but also Joshua Ojuwuna, uh, who has got all the talent in the world. So you know, talk about those guys and what you think uh, Baylor fans should expect. I still haven't gotten Josh's last name down yet, which is on me. Uh, so I'm calling him Josh O for now. Uh, Josh O is kind of the wild card on this team. Uh, I'm going to keep comparing him to the championship team. We knew, and Ashley, you were kind of on immediately that you really felt like I think you had attended a summer practice and saw Jonathan Chama Chachua and were just like, this guy's going to be really good before the championship season. And Josh O's, I think, kind of that wild card ticket for Baylor. It is not necessary that Josh O is great for Baylor to win a national championship, but he's kind of that thing. If you wonder, all right, how does Baylor emerge as like a 16 and two, 17 and one big 12 team, which is a really high expectation. I'm not predicting that it would be Josh O by January and February. You start looking at him and thinking, Oh my God, is this now a one and done guy? I think he's a two or three year player at Baylor, but you watch some of those highlights in Canada and just how quickly he gets up off the floor how he can stay in front of guards, some of the perimeter skills he has. He has a little bit of a jump shot already. I think he's kind of the guy I'm most excited about for Baylor. But when I've talked to a few people, they've mentioned, listen, the guy's raw. 
he's going to have some mistakes since he hasn't played basketball forever and he's playing at a very high level now. But he's the one I'm most excited about among those uh, gentlemen we've talked about. Uh, Caleb Lohner, I think the potential I'm most excited about for him, Ashley, is when Baylor goes small to end some games. Right. Uh, I mentioned in the notes on the site uh, that when Baylor played Lohner at the five for one of the first times they had all season, at Big 12 Media Days, I was told they hadn't really run that lineup yet. Uh, because it's tough to learn two positions, and he's primarily been a power forward. Right. But at the scrimmage, uh, when he played the five uh, against LSU, Baylor scored like 20 points in 10 possessions, which when we nerd out for points per possession, is literally the equivalent of giving up a dunk every possession. Like, that's just <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable um, offense from Baylor because the spacing, I think, is so elite with him. He could be a good screener. Yeah. You've got to at least respect him as a pick-and-pop option at the five, and a lot of defenses now are not well-designed for good pick-and-pop three-point shooters. So that excites me. Uh, so that's kind of where I am with those two. Kind of what do you see from those two right now, Ashley? Yeah, I, no, I agree with you. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about Lohner. Um, I, I think that he brings a lot of the same qualities that Mark Vidal brings to the table, but he's three – well, Mark Vidal officially was 6'4", so, you know, Caleb Lohner – it measures, you know, six nine and shoes. Um, so so you got a guy that's five inches taller than than Vital. Um, he he plays with that same kind of motor, recklessness, physicality. Um, you know, I, I would say Vital was stronger. You know, Vital Vital just had this like or maybe quick twitch stronger is a better way to put it. Uh but, you know, I do think Loner with his size and, and certainly better shooting touch. Um, if, if he if he can become a 35% three-point shooter, then that's a nightmare for opponents because <clears throat> when he's on the floor, you know, especially if he's if he's the big on the floor, then you're looking at uh, five guys that can shoot the three really well. And and he's, you know, a guy that can go catch alley-oops. Uh, and I agree with you on Josh. I mean, I think Josh just has an unbelievable potential. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm I'm struggling with the hacking cough here. We're powering through. We're podcasting while injured. <laughs> Have no doubt about how much we care about podcasting. That we're podcasting while injured. Uh, Jalen Bridge, I agree with that stuff. Is the next guy kind of on the list? Um, and with Jalen, the how good he can be, I think, all relates back to what is he as a three point shooter? Only I think a 32 percent shooter at West Virginia from three his sophomore campaign. Well, he was a 40 percent shooter the year before. But his free throw shooting went up to, I think, 82% as a sophomore. Generally, free throw shooting correlates better year over year than three-point shooting. So that speaks pretty well to his potential as a three-point shooter. And he's going to have a lot more space at Baylor than he had at West Virginia. And so I've always pushed the four-guard lineup. I'm real big on the four-guard lineup. But every time I've mentioned it, they've said, look, we might do that some. But you're really sleeping on Jalen Bridges, who right now is definitely – one of Baylor's best players. He's going to start for Baylor. And so Jalen Bridges, they're very hyped about. Sam Vecini had him at 34 in his mock draft lately. People have been hyped about Baylor, and they're hyped about Jalen Bridges. Yeah, I know. He, he, he brings a lot of experience. He's an extremely efficient player. He doesn't turn the ball over. I think, I think he's top 10 in the Big 12 in a turnover percentage the last two years. And that, and that was as an underclassman. So you know that's going to get better as he gets to be an upperclassman. Uh, but, yeah, he – <laughs> excuse me uh, ability to stretch the floor offensive rebounder he's long he's got a seven foot wingspan he can get to the cup you know off the dribble um he's got a lot in the, in the toolbox and and you know i think the question with him 
is just uh, you know playing with that burning hot motor. That if he does that, then uh, you know certainly uh, you know this is a team that's that's going to be uh, a nightmare to to defend. You know, I, I think the big question is: Would you agree that we 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 think this is going to be a really efficient offensive team? Uh, but defense is the main question. What what do you see there? Yeah, if Baylor doesn't finish the year. <laughs> I know you you are just so <laughs> distraught at the thought that the defense could let down an offense this great actually right right that you, that you can't even compose yourself right now. Uh, I think <laughs> offensively if Baylor's not a top 5 offense, it means somebody's hurt. If, if Baylor stays healthy, they will have a top 5 offense. Right. If Vegas will let you bet on Ken Palm offensive efficiency, may God help us all, but go ahead and bet on that. Defensively, as you mentioned, is where the question comes in. James Akinjo was integral to a lot of that defense last year when healthy. Obviously, Jeremy Sohan is a lottery pick because of his defensive ability and ability to switch one to five. So the defense is a question. Adam Flagler does not rate out well on some of the analytical systems like Evan Maya defensively. Right. Uh, I think that's hogwash. It's very hard to get defense analytically. Uh, we love I love analytics. You really like analytics, Ashley. But basketball defensive analytics based on box score analysis is just not very good. Right. And Flagler's a good defender. Right. Dale Bonner is a really good defender. Jalen Bridges is a good defender. Flo Thamba is a good defender. The challenge for Keontae George is going to be how much does he pride himself in on the defensive end? Because we know the top two picks in this NBA draft are locked up right now. Right. And so if Keontae wants to get into the conversation for that number three pick or to be a top five pick, they're going to know Keontae can score. It's going to be, can he defend at an elite level to show he's not just kind of a tweener guard who can't stay on the floor. So I hope he embraces the challenge on that end. I think the good thing for Baylor is that if somebody doesn't want to defend, you're still going to play. If, if Keontae, LJ, and Adam just didn't care about defense, you'd still play them some. But Dale Bonner's a good guard. Langston Love's a good guard. And Grimes is a heck of a lot better than I thought he was. Yeah. And so this is a team that if guys want to just dog it defensively, and Baylor gets, you know, run out the gym in one of these games, they have options to go to. Yeah. I think the offense will be so good. The goal for Baylor should just be get to top 20 on defense, and you can win a national championship. But I think ultimately defense is that question you wonder about. I think there is no burden of proof on Baylor offensively. I think defensively, though, is where the question is. And we'll really find out a lot in Vegas. I agree. Uh, and and I, I'll go on record saying – that I agree with you. They're going to have a top five offense. And I also think they're going to have a top 10 defense. Uh, you know, I, you know, those concerns have been alleviated some just talking to the coaches. Now we haven't been playing competition, so, you know, things can change, but I do like uh, what I hear from, you know, Nunes when I interviewed him, he mentioned that LJ Cryer, uh, was a guy that has improved tremendously on the defensive end, his buy-in and his, his uh, you know, uh, communication. Uh, then, you know, Caleb Lohner, I think, is going to be a terrific defender. Uh, Josh Ojewuna has a chance to be a, a great rim defender, and he cares a lot. You know, he, he works hard on defense. Uh, so there's a lot of guys there. You know, even Jordan Turner, you know, I don't know how much uh, playing time he'll get, but, you know, I, I like what I see from him from an effort standpoint on defense and activity. Uh, so I so I do think this team's going to be really good defensively, and uh, you know if you're top five offensively, you're top ten defensively. That's certainly you know a top four team in the nation and a potential national champion. It's a really good team if they can get to those benchmarks. I hope the defense can get there. Ken Palm has him four and twelve to open the year. I think it is more likely Baylor 
beats the number four ranking and they beat the number 12 ranking right now. That's how high I am on the offense, but still need to see it with the defense that it might not be fair to say, I still need to see it with the defense, but just obviously there's such a difference from having those big wings last season to now playing a little bit smaller this season. And then Flo Thamba did a great job playing 30 minutes a night to end the campaign. But if you got to do that over the course of a full season, that's a little bit more challenging for the bears. So I feel good about that, but that's kind of where I am defensively. Ashley, when you look at the non-con, do you see Baylor taking any losses in the non-con this season? Yeah, they'll, I think they'll lose a non-con game. I, I hope it's only one, but, I mean, if you look at the schedule, it's it's pretty hard. <laughs> I mean, Virginia is, is uh, in the metrics at least, uh, considered, you know, uh, 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 you know I think uh, Ken Palm has them number five. And, and then you go to your next game, you're playing uh, UCLA, Illinois, uh, and, and both those teams are, are highly rated in the metrics. Um, so, you know, that's going to be a tough out, especially UCLA is, is number 11 in Ken Palm. Uh, Illinois is uh, 33, kind of surprised by that. Uh, Torvik has them a lot higher. Uh, you know, Torvik has them top 20, I believe. Yeah, they're, they're 15 in Torvik. Uh, so, so you got, you got you know, it's going to be hard to get out of that tournament in Vegas without a loss. Uh, then, then you go um, – you know, South Dakota, you, you play Gonzaga. Uh, that That's obviously uh, going to be a, a major challenge. You know, two top ten teams and a neutral site. Gonzaga is going to have the motivation, you know, of, hey, this is a team that, you know, took away our, our goal, you know, two years ago. So maybe a little extra edge, you know, from guys like Drew Timmy. Um, I don't think Rasir Bolton's ever beat Baylor either. So, so you know, you might get, you might get extra, extra, you know, juice from him as well. Uh, and and then you and then you go you know Marquette on the road and Washington State not an easy game one you you should win in Dallas uh, and then of course you know the game against Arkansas and and Arkansas you know took it on uh, on the chin against uh, Texas but they're a very young and talented team and by January they're probably going to look a whole lot different than they look now uh, so that's going to be a, a tough out as well uh, what say you Kendall I agree with all those things I did my game by game predict. My game-by-game uh, -game predictions, I think, will run tomorrow. I'm getting the article finished up, so I, I know I'm putting a lot of pressure on Grayson and Jack by saying that. <laughs> but I think that will run at the site, uh, hopefully on Wednesday, maybe Thursday. Yeah. And if you told me before the season started, what would you bet, Baylor lose a non-con game, yes, no, you'd take yes over no because, as you mentioned, Virginia's good, UCLA or Illinois is good, Gonzaga's a tough game, maybe Shaka Smart finally beats Scott Drew uh, more than once. So you got all those things. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I started looking at the schedule, and my hot take is I think Baylor's going to win all their non-con games. Ooh. That's my hot take right now. Right. Um, I think if I rank the order of most likely losses, I'd go Arkansas 1, just because I think Arkansas will be playing a heck of a lot better basketball than they're playing right now. And it's always tough, that SEC challenge, when you got to play an elite team in the middle of conference play. And I want to say around that time, Baylor plays like KU, TCU, Texas, Texas Tech, and then OU is kind of the trap game on the schedule around there. But that's a brutal stretch. I think that's the most likely loss. And then Gonzaga, even with their loss to Tennessee, is a good team. And I just – I'm going to go to that game in South Dakota. Nice. But I got to be honest. I don't know what in the world's going on in South Dakota. So <laughs> I hope everything's good for our guys up there. I hope everything's good for, you know, the staff up there. But if you told me, like, I'm sick, just, you know, walking around, I don't know. I've never been to South Dakota. I don't know what that state's about. Hopefully I'll have the time of my life. I'll, I'll meet, you know, four nice women. Uh, that want to just su support me the rest of my life. But I'm not thinking South Dakota is going to be that for me. Right, right. And so I think that's probably the next most likely loss. And then Virginia could beat Baylor. That team's going to play a radically different style than the Bears. 
And then the, I, I don't want to see the Matt Meyer experience go against Baylor because that would just be too weird for me. So yeah. I'm hoping we get a Baylor-UCLA championship. So I would add all the best in other circumstances. All right, so I'll say Virginia is the most likely loss in the non-conference, uh, followed by Gonzaga. I, I think we we pound Arkansas pretty pretty well. I, I think I think you know being at home, um, you know I, I know Keontae George uh, knows those guys pretty well. Uh, you know Nick Smith and and uh, Anthony Black and and Jordan Walsh. So so I I, I just think that that environment's going to be electric and and being a home game makes it you know more more probable that Baylor's going to win it. So I'll say Virginia. Uh, is their most likely loss, followed by Gonzaga, and then the UCLA-Illinois second game uh, would be my third choice, but that's that's how I'll throw it down. Now, the Big 12, um, you know, this is going to be – Ken Palm has all the Big 12 teams in the top 50. Uh, Bart, Bart Torvik uh, has most of them in the top 50. Oh, they, Bart, Bart Torvik has them all in the top 50, and let's see what the what Ken Palm says. Uh, Ken Palm has oh they have a couple in uh, you know Iowa State West Virginia and Kansas State outside the top fifty uh, so so that's gonna be a really tough league again um, you know I what would you say you know what's your expectation loss wise do you think Baylor can get to like fourteen and four on the season is was is, would that be kind of an expectation for you that's a very reasonable number uh, I have Baylor going fifteen and three Ooh. so I have Baylor losing at Allen Fieldhouse. I know they won there in 2020, but I think a very easy heuristic is just always predict a loss in Allen right. Fieldhouse, and then you can be happy if they win. Uh, I have them losing in Fort Worth, which is pretty rare for the Bears to lose to TCU, <laughs> yeah. but I think they're a really good team, and I think they'll lose that game. And then I have them randomly losing just because it's a long season. You generally lose a stupid game. You probably shouldn't. Right. I have Baylor losing a home game to Oklahoma. Oh, and interesting. I talked about the schedule and kind of why I have that is – you go KU, Arkansas, at Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and your next game would be at TCU. Yeah. I think that's a very easy trap game to have. That's a Wednesday yeah. night game. Yeah. I could see not a lot of fans coming to that one. I could see overlooking OU. I could see the Groves Brothers having a good game. So 15-3 and three is my record. They'll lose one weird game. Oklahoma State last year in the Farrell was that game for Baylor. So that's how I get to 15-3. and three. What's your Big 12 prediction for the Bears, Ashley? I'll say 14-4. I'll say and four. Um I, I would agree with you that on paper you just always predict a, a Kansas uh, win at Allen Fieldhouse because it's it's eight against five most nights there. Um, you know, TCU or Texas on the road, I think they'll trip up. I do think they'll lose a home game and maybe like an Oklahoma State on the road. Uh, you know, there'll be there'll be some other road game where I think they'll they'll uh, take a loss. Um, I do think they're going to sweep Tech. I, I, I think the players have that circled, and I, I think they're going to sweep Tech. I, I feel pretty good about that probability. And then, Ashley, the question becomes, we know you've been really excited the last several years you've come to Kansas City for the Big 12 tournament. Will you, <laughs> will you come again, and what do you expect to happen, whether you're on watching on TV or whether you're joining us in Kansas City? I swore off it last year, and, you know, I mean, obviously Baylor's recent success has been terrible, but after interviewing Adam Flagler, uh, you know, this, this uh, past offseason, I'm definitely going to the Big 12 tournament, assuming – that we don't have any catastrophic injuries and, and, you know, four of our, our top eight players are injured or something like that. But, um, you know, Adam, I, you know, I just saw like it, I saw it in his eyes. I saw how important it was for him to bring uh, Scott drew a big 12 tournament championship. And so, so I, I gotta be there for that. So I'm, I'm definitely going to go to Kansas city, God willing. 
fair thing for you there. Uh, I live in Kansas City, so yeah. I'm going to go to the Big 12 tournament. Although, what a dumpster fire we now have. So Big 12 Media Days opens up, the committee speaks, and he says two things. He's like, we're going to raise ticket prices at the Big 12 tournament to make more money. <laughs> and the media, one of the great things about the Big 12 tournament is the media gets to sit basically on top of the court. Right. And he's like, we're not doing that anymore. He's like, those are seats we're going to sell. And I'm like, great, because the COVID year, yeah. because obviously if we had been on the floor, we would have given everybody COVID. Uh, we had to be up in the Raptors. Right. And you really cannot see anything from the Raptors at the Sprint slash T-Mobile Center. Yeah. So I'm going to go. And I think Baylor beats West Virginia in the quarterfinals. And I think they lose to Texas Tech in the semifinals. Ooh. So if that gets you excited to come, Ashley, you can. Uh, I'm just like, if I lived in Texas, I probably would not come to the big 12 tournament myself, Yeah, but I respect every year you talk yourself into it, Ashley. So I don't even know why I'm well, having this discussion with you. I mean, I it, know by early a, March, you'll say it's our year. We're doing it. Yeah. We're, we're going to do it. This is a year we're, we're going to do it this year. <laughs> I, I think it means a lot to the players, especially the older players. They're, they're sick of losing there and, and they, they want to cut down the nets and, and give that, uh, to Scott drew. And, and so I, I feel, I feel more confident actually that we're going to win the big 12 tournament championship than than i do winning the national championship just because it's so hard to win six games in a row but but i i do think we're gonna uh i do think we're gonna cut down the nets uh in kansas city this year i, I feel i feel good about that prediction i like that prediction um so so you got i was not so so you have baylor oh, you have baylor finishing first do you have tcu second correct yep texas third or kansas third ku third Okay, uh, Texas fourth. T- yep, Texas four, Tech five, uh, OU six, OK State seven, West Virginia eight, Clones nine, K State ten. Yeah, yeah, K State's an interesting team. Obviously, they got a, a really exciting point guard, uh, Pierre Jackson Jr. Uh, <laughs> he's, I mean, he's he's good, and and then and then you know, uh, of course, the 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 impact transfer, Keontae Johnson from uh, Florida, which which we saw him play. A couple of years ago, if if he's anywhere near what he was as an SEC, all, you know, all league caliber player, then then that's a good one two punch there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're gonna they're gonna have challenges first year in the system. I think Tang's gonna do a great job there. But uh, I, I I would agree with you. You know, I'd, I'd probably pick them ninth or tenth. And you know, West Virginia is an interesting team. Uh, you know, word out of Morgantown is Huggins likes them a lot. He thinks it's probably more similar to his uh, Javon Carter, Daxter Miles teams from a grittiness standpoint, uh, but we'll see. I, I I feel like he's almost checked out a little bit, and 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 I, you know I I don't know if if they're going to make much noise. I, I I do think they're going to finish near the bottom of the pack. Uh, Oklahoma State's the team that I'm interested in, in seeing what they do because because uh, you know I think Boyton's a good coach, and and you know they've just been they played a lot of close games last year. Uh, they did us a favor by, you know, beating Texas Tech, uh, you know, late in the year. But, but I do, I, you know, I do think that that's a team that uh, could finish in the top five that, that probably people are sleeping on. I think that's a fair point there. Bryce Thompson needs to shoot better from deep. Yeah. I think for them to be a real threat. But Avery Anderson, Caleb Boone, uh, Chris Harris Jr., that's a formidable top three. So a lot of teams that could rise up in the Big 12. But I don't see a world where Baylor finishes any lower than third in the league, and I think they should be a pretty clear favorite. I would agree with you. Well, we went about when 40. We get, uh, go ahead, Ken. We want to do NCAA tournament predictions just to get us on the record for what happens with Final Four and title team that be done. Sure, let's do it. 
my final four is Kentucky is the number one overall seed. We'll meet Houston. Oh. And then Baylor is the number two overall seed. We'll play Gonzaga. So three out of the same four from two years ago. I got Baylor over Gonzaga. Give me Houston over Baylor. And, and Jim Nance, final season, <laughs> calling the national championship game as he prepares to head down to hand Houston the national championship trophy. Once again, he gets the great joy of watching Baylor beat Houston on the final weekend. <laughs> and he gets to hand Scott Drew the national championship trophy for the second time in three years as the Bears beat his beloved Cougars in Houston. And he gets to walk out sad as we then get Iron Eagle coming next season. I love it. All right, so, so I'm going uh, Tennessee, Baylor, North Carolina, and Virginia. So two ACC Ooh, teams. Okay. Uh, so I, so I, I, I just think that, uh, you know, the world has forgotten how great of a coach, uh, Tony Bennett is. And, and I, I do think Virginia is going to be, uh, you know, maybe the top defensive efficiency team by the end of the year. And, uh, North Carolina, I think does have enough talent to, to repeat and get there, uh, this year, uh, Tennessee, I, I just like the roster a lot. I think they have, you know, two uh, good point guard, just just an all-around, well-rounded roster. And then, of course, I, I think Baylor uh, has the goods to get there as well. So so those are my four teams. And, you know, UCLA is a dark horse. Um, you know, I do, I do think UCLA has the potential to, to you know, get to the Final Four. But, but I'm going to say uh, Baylor, Tennessee, North Carolina, Virginia. And, man, if that's the field in, in Houston, I like the Bears' chances. That's going to be a home court advantage for the Bears. I think so. I think uh, I think people will really turn out for that final four. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, much like they did in uh, 2012 when when that was kind of a takeover. Uh, uh, 2010, sorry, not to, not 2012 uh, when, when the Bears uh, were there for the Elite Eight uh, and and you know had about 80 uh, percent of the crowd when they played you know in front of 48,000 people. Uh, Duke, uh, Duke, you know Baylor to get to the final four. Uh, you know, I, I do think the the Bear faithful will be there in droves. Uh, obviously, North Carolina, Virginia, and uh, 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 who, who Tennessee will, will bring a lot of fans if that if that ends up being the the, the four, and, and and then if it's your four, Houston's going to have a, a tremendous presence there. Uh, you know, uh, you know, Houston and Baylor would be it would be an interesting storyline if they if they play for the championship. Uh, you know, especially with Jim Nance calling his last game, but uh, but uh, but I I don't know. I'm a little skeptical. I I, I think those leagues that. Um, you know, don't prepare you well, you know, for the, for the rigors of March. Uh, I think those teams have a little bit of a disadvantage. So, so that, for that reason, I'm, I'm fading Houston and Gonzaga and I'm, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to teams like Virginia and Tennessee and North Carolina that are going to be battle tested. A very reasonable selection of teams. I can't fight any of those. Yep. Well, Hey, thanks uh, Kendall for doing this. You've been listening to a Sikkim 365 podcast with Ashley Hodge and Kendall Cout, Sikkim Bears. Heck yeah.